Hi, thanks for joining us at Seen and Unseen Aloud. This is where you get to listen to a curated collection of the editor's top picks of our recent articles. For when you need to be eyes-free or hands-free, but still want to discover the seen and unseen. Discover the Seen and Unseen by Graeme Tomlin As someone once said, everyone has an angle, so it's a fair enough question to ask what our angle is. In 325 AD, a conference of bishops, many of whom carried in their bodies the scars of persecution, met in a small town called Nicaea in what is now northern Turkey. They slowly hammered out a visionary statement that described what the early Christians believed, a whole new way of looking at the world based around the belief that God the Creator had entered the world in the person of a Jewish teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. That document, commonly known as the Nicene Creed, is the one creed that is accepted and used across the entire Christian church. So it's good enough for us. Our conviction, however, is that this framework, rather than closing down thinking, opens up a much more expansive and energising space for thought and acting than secular visions can offer. For example, the Nicene Creed also describes God as the maker of all things, seen and unseen, picking up a phrase that St Paul had written 300 years before. We thought that summed up pretty well what we're about. We're interested in the scene, what we all know and talk about all the time. Economics, politics, society, law, the arts, the planet and its future. But also the unseen realities that make sense of the scene. The mysterious, the numinous, the reality of the spiritual realm, the kingdom of heaven. This Christian framework is not one that can simply be tacked on to a secular mindset but is a different way of viewing the world. Therefore, our aim is not to debate with those who don't share our faith as to who can prove their case, but to do our best to describe the world as Christians of many kinds and perspectives see it. Our task on this website is not to answer simplistic questions with simplistic answers, but to ask ourselves and others What do politics, economics, the arts, technology, biology, leisure, geography, housing, in other words, everything, look like in the light of the coming of Jesus into the world? And if we can do that well, we can be both a window and mirror to the societies we live in. We believe there is wisdom in the 2,000 years of Christian reflection on what it means to be human and what it means to be good. On God, nature, community, work and everything else. Wisdom that has been discarded too quickly in Western societies. We also think that the rapid discarding of Christian faith and the failure to replace it with any kind of convincing common story is a disaster for our culture, leaving it open to fragmentation and culture warfare. Not that we're advocating return to Christendom. The church has made too many mistakes for misty-eyed nostalgia about that. But we do think 
Christian faith has the intellectual and spiritual depth to help renew and revive cultures today. Whether it does or not is beyond our pay grade. Our job is just to tell the story as best we can. Christians think a great deal about their faith and the cultures in which they live. Yet much of that wisdom is locked up inside long books that few people read. We want to make that wisdom accessible to a much wider audience. So what you'll find here is material that is thoughtful, accessible to non-specialists, the fruit of deep thinking both about the Christian tradition and contemporary life, can help you not only think more clearly, but live a better life. We may critique ideas, but we will try not to attack people. We want to be generous, curious, confident about the faith, open to criticism and new ideas, intelligent, accessible and patient. We don't want to be competitive, aggressive, reactive, fearful or close-minded. Read our articles, listen to our podcasts, expand your thinking, feed and satisfy your curiosity. Discover a world that is greater, more full of meaning and sense than you ever imagined. Where It's Dangerous to Believe by Belle Tyndall Just as they do at the beginning of each new year, this January saw the charity Open Doors descend upon the House of Commons to officially launch its World Watch List for 2023. That is, the list of the 50 most dangerous countries to be a Christian in the world this year. As well as producing this list, the advocacy group also revealed a number. 360 million. That's the number of Christians who are living under extreme pressure and persecution because of their religious identity. That's one in every seven of the 2.4 billion Christians in the world right now. For statistical context, that 360 million is larger than the current population of the USA. The enormity of such numbers can be a challenge to digest, so perhaps it would be more effective to summarise the research this way. 2023, the most dangerous year to be a Christian on record. It's a powerful image. There, in the grand epicentre of British government, where a verse from the Bible is literally carved into the floor of the main entranceway, was an evening dedicated to the 360 million people for whom a spiritual alignment to that very same verse exposes them to danger and discrimination. When we think of religious groups that are facing daily persecution, it's likely that Christian communities aren't at the top of our list of assumptions. And that's relatively understandable when we're viewing Christianity through the lens of our own Western contexts. In May, the UK is going to come to a communal standstill as we witness the Archbishop of Canterbury, the figurehead of the Church of England, place a crown on the head of our new king, thus ushering in a new phase of history. It can seem as though, as a society, the scent of Christianity is in the very air we breathe. Many of our most cherished landmarks are sites of religious significance, 
It's not unusual for our local schools and hospitals to be named after Christian saints, while our public calendars are shaped by Christian celebrations. And yet, 360 million people. While Christianity has a rather recent reputation for being a Eurocentric religion, European Christians are actually the minority, making up only one quarter of the global Christian population. We are inclined, because of our own experience of Christianity as enjoying a prominent role in public life, of having a rather narrow understanding of the global Christian reality. Christians are by no means the only faith group to face the danger of religious persecution. But year after year, they are continuing to face it on the largest scale. The World Watch list shows that the global reality for Christians is anything but static. In 2022, Afghanistan was considered the most dangerous country to live as a Christian. However, largely due to the Taliban's attention being lured away from its Christian population, Afghanistan has dropped to ninth place. North Korea, which is home to approximately 400,000 Christians, has thus regained its position as the most brutally hostile place to be. Following North Korea, the other top nine countries in the list are Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, Libya, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, Afghanistan and Sudan. Not only has this persecution seen a numerical increase, but also a significant increase in the extremity of the danger posed. Violence, imprisonment and even death are very real possibilities for Christians living in these countries. However, religious persecution also includes more subtle social segregation, economic discrimination and national isolation. These 360 million people are being exposed to a spectrum of pressures to denounce their Christian identity and cease living out their Christian faith. And yet, one of the most staggering findings that Open Doors continue to present is that it is in these places that the Christian church is experiencing its most rapid growth. According to their extensive research, the rising danger surrounding the Christian faith doesn't seem to be having the desired effect. Stories of persistence, faith and courage are unceasing. This pattern is not anomalous, as Brother Andrew, the founder of Open Doors, once famously reminded the world, Persecution is an enemy the church has met and mastered many times. Indifference could prove to be a far more dangerous foe. A dangerous faith does not equate to a disappearing faith. Seeing the world through different eyes by Alistair McGrath. Why are the creeds so dull? To many, they have the intellectual depth and emotional appeal of hastily written shopping lists. Their leaden and impenetrable statements seem to point to a cold, dead orthodoxy which has nothing to say to a fast-changing world. During my own phase as an atheist, 
I saw the creeds as top-down authoritarian attempts to trap people within a narrow and restrictive view of the world. I objected to being told what to think. I wanted to find things out for myself. My outlook on life changed while I was a student at Oxford University in the early 1970s, as I began to appreciate for the first time the intellectual and imaginative appeal of Christianity. The creeds themselves had nothing to do with this transition, which came about through conversations with intelligent and reflective Christians. This helped me grasp the vision of what lay at the heart of Christianity, something that could not be reduced to words or slogans, but which gave birth to a new way of living and acting. This seemed to be a million miles away from the arcane declarations of the creeds. But as time passed, I began to see the creeds in a new way. Let me explain. Back in the 1980s, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor introduced his idea of articulation. Every attempt to live a good life or develop a viable moral system depends on a set of background assumptions which need to be identified and put into words. Articulation is about the bringing to light of that which is unspoken but presupposed. Taylor's point is that we need to put into words the grander vision of reality which shapes the way we think and live, despite the obvious inability of words to do justice or fully express this vision. The way we imagine the world, whether socially, morally, politically or religiously, needs to be expressed. Yet that very act of expression both diminishes and restricts that vision, precisely because it is a rich imaginative reality that cannot be reduced to words. The creeds are thus an articulation of the core vision of faith. The Apostles' Creed is thought to have emerged gradually within Christian communities, particularly in Rome, apparently in response to the need for brief personal articulations of faith at baptism. It is this vision of faith which engages, inspires and motivates believers, not its verbal articulation in the creeds. If this vision is to be effectively expressed in words, it will use the language of poetry, capable of engaging the imagination and emotions. Perhaps this helps us understand why some of the church's best-loved theologians were poets. Think of John Donne or George Herbert. We need verbal articulations of faith, yet too easily misunderstand these as defining the essence of faith, when they are actually signposts to its core vision. Thinking of creeds in this way allows us to see them as expressing frameworks of exploration and discovery. Rather than presenting us with a set of verbal formulae as givens, the creeds point to a rich landscape that we can explore, identifying its landmarks that deserve our attention. They are like guidebooks telling us what to look out for, and thus countering our natural tendency to limit ourselves to the familiar by pointing out what we have yet to discover. Yet the creeds are not themselves the agents of discovery. If the Christian faith can be compared to a landscape, then its best guides are those who live there, having internalised its features and incorporated them into their lives. There is a necessary and proper synergy between the statements of the creeds 
and the personal experiences of Christians. The creeds map the landscape of faith, yet individual Christian believers are best placed to explain and unpack its features and the difference that this makes to their lives. The primary witnesses to the vitality of faith are thus ordinary Christians who can connect the landmarks of faith with their personal journeys of discovery and living out their faith. At times, those personal narratives may express the excitement of a new way of seeing the world. At others, they may concern how faith enables individuals to cope with uncertainty, trauma, loneliness and death. The creeds cannot and do not make those connections. They can, however, provide a framework for exploring and understanding how faith changes lives and shapes personal worlds, in dialogue with those who have made those discoveries and can express them in their own words and ways. The creeds cannot tell anyone what it means, or feels like, to believe in God. Yet they make room for individual believers to tell their stories, amplifying and embodying the terse and otherwise opaque creedal statements. The creeds, at first sight at least, may indeed be dull, but their significance lies in the landscape to which they point. Far from trying to limit us, they are seeking to expand our vision by pointing to a greater reality that lies behind and beneath them. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast to get more curated articles from Seen and Unseen Aloud. We hope you discover a world that is greater, more full of meaning and sense than you ever imagined.